here and we haven't met my name's Ethan so glad you're here I'm one of the pastors and you are here on a great and special day as we wrap up our series GPS and I really do think that for a lot of us today is going to be an important day I hope maybe you uh, could let generate in you just a little bit of anticipation for the possibility that today might be a, a, a day that's meaningful to you, not just today, but for, for years to come, you would look back on this day as a day of significance in your life. I think that could happen for a lot of us today. Uh, listen, before I forget, uh, Thanksgiving is right around the corner, which means by the next time we meet, we will be in our Christmas series. I hope you've already picked up uh, one of these Christmas invite cards. I love the logo. I just think it's so beautiful. Uh, and I, I love our series title for our Christmas series, Once Upon a Christmas. Uh, what we're going to do just the whole, the whole month of December is just tell the Christmas story. Uh, but we're going to let a few voices speak that we don't always get to hear from. We're going to hear the Christmas story as told by a few people that normally don't get to say very much. And I think in the process, we're going to learn a lot about the kind of Christmas story God wants to write in our lives. So I hope you'll be here for that starting next week. Bring a friend with you and start planning now who you're going to invite for Christmas Eve. Also, as we prep for Christmas, and then actually in the first several weeks of, of the new year, uh, we're going to be doing some changes up here to the stage, so I want to prepare you for that. Uh, by next week, uh, the curtains will be gone, uh, so if you love the curtains, you'll be sad, but they're going to be gone. Um, we're going to do a little bit of painting so that we can still do some sets and stuff, but it'll look different, and then not long after that, uh, these stage extensions and we're going to redo the whole stage and get it a new look so just about every about every third week you come in for the next three months something will look different in here uh, I hope that by the time it's all done uh, we, it both looks a little better and functions a little better for us and so I hope we like uh, that so just don't be surprised if you start seeing things a little different about every other week uh, over the next two or three months here um, so we're in this series GPS and today is the last day of it and I think today is a big day. Uh, I'll be honest, I've been praying that today, uh, I've been praying for this day for months. Uh, we, we put this on the calendar months ago in our preaching planning. Our elders have been praying for today in earnest for the past few weeks. Uh, and I think the stakes are high today. I believe that for many of you, today is going to be an important day. Uh, we're going to end our um, <clears throat> time together today with an invitation, and we do that a lot, but, but today I want to be super clear. This invitation is for you. It's for everybody. It's going to be an opportunity to come up front here and make a commitment and be prayed over, and it's for every single one of you. Maybe you're a guest here today, and you're thinking, it can't be for me. That'd be weird for me to do something like that my first day. No, it's for you. Or maybe you've been attending this church longer than I've been alive, and you're like, I did that once, I remember, I'm pretty sure, but, but I'm done with my whole go forward, make a commitment days. No, it, it's, it's for you too. Uh, the invitation today is for you to make a commitment to be a missionary on behalf of Jesus Christ. And the reason I know that the invitation is for everyone and that everyone is going to be invited, and in fact, I'm going to call upon every single one of us to come forward and, and be commissioned to that. The reason I know it's for everyone is because Jesus says it's for everyone, that everyone who is a follower of Christ is meant to be a missionary on Christ's behalf. 
See, this GPS series, we've been talking about the fact that when you use a GPS, the one thing you gotta get right is you gotta set the destination correctly, right? Like if you don't get the destination plugged into the machine right, then, then nothing else matters. But if the machine, if the destination is set correctly and the satellites don't fall out of the sky, well then once the destination's set, all you gotta do is follow the directions and you'll get where, where you're trying to go. And the same thing is true in our spiritual life. In our spiritual lives, Jesus sets the destination. We don't get the option of saying, I'm a Christian, but I live my life my own way. No, if you're a Christian, then Jesus is the one who sets the destination for your life. And he's been super clear about that. He said to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I have all the authority, Jesus says. And then listen to what he does with that authority. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is Jesus' last conversation in his earthly ministry. And the last thing he tells them is, I have all the authority and all of you I'm calling to be my missionaries. So that is the destination that Jesus intends for your life. That your life is headed in that direction toward the, the mandate of being a missionary, of making disciples on Jesus' behalf. And if we're going to stay on that destination, we will regularly need times of recalculation. You, you, know, you know how that happens, right, on the GPS, right, where you get turned around, or you miss a turn, or you get going the wrong direction, and all of a sudden a little voice pops up, recalculating. Or the worst one, make a U-turn when possible, right? Make a U-turn. It just says that over and over again until you do. Well, in our spiritual lives, it turns out the same thing is true. In our spiritual lives, it is, I just, I tell you, I look back over my life walking with Jesus. It is so disappointing to me how often I got pointed towards some destination other than the one Jesus gave me. It's so easy to get your life aiming toward comfort or simplicity or security. Get your life aiming toward your Christian friends and your Christian groups and your Christian activities and your Christian things. And forget that the destination for your life has already been set by Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them. And so what we need spiritually is just what we need when we get lost on a road trip. We need every once in a while to stop and do some recalculating. And, and I hope maybe this whole series has been that for some of you, that maybe over the past few weeks you've been just doing some recalculating, some asking some sincere questions about, am I still headed toward the one destination that Jesus set for my life, or did I maybe, maybe take a wrong turn somewhere? At the very least, I would just say, I hope today is a day that you do some recalculating. I mean, I just maybe right now you could just already be doing it. Just say, okay. Am I, you know, did I somewhere along the way grab the GPS out of Jesus' hands and set a new destination? And is it time to hand it back? Maybe you need that. We do in our spiritual lives all the time. We need some recalculating, don't we? You, you see, to live in response to the missionary call of Jesus Christ, we need two things. 
We need clarity about our mission field. And we need the conviction to go. Clarity about our mission field and the conviction to go. Uh, when we talked about clarity, what we said was uh, we, we can get clarity. God gives us clarity about our mission field uh, through the gifts that God has given us, right? What are the gifts God has given to you that God wants to give through you? We asked that question a couple weeks ago, and some of you have been praying about that question. I know because some of you have talked to me about it. What is it that God has put in my hands that God could use to, to, to help me be a missionary to others? What, what are the gifts God has given to me that God wants to give through me? That'll give you clarity about your mission field. Or, or maybe it's about God's priorities. That was the second lens we said helps us understand our mission field. What is it that God cares about that you care about? Where does your heart beat in rhythm with God's? Because when you find yourself wanting something and desiring something that God also wants and desires, you get some clarity about your mission field. Maybe you've been working with this question. This question's been so helpful to me. What does God want done that you can do? What does God care about that you're gifted to accomplish? What does God want done that you can do? And, and you put those two questions together, you get a sense of the answer of that question, and you've got some clarity about your mission field. Or maybe it's from your story. We said this last week. I talked to several of you where, where this, just, just the, the simple thought just gave you clarity about your mission field. What is, what's a part of your past story? What's something that you've gone through in your story that creates a ministry opportunity now for you that somebody else might not have? And some of you knew exactly what it was. Maybe you know right now. What's something you've gone through in life that now opens up a mission field, opens up a ministry for you that somebody else can do that I couldn't do because you and I haven't lived the same story? Or, or maybe it's your present story, right? The present moment of your story. You're a student or you're, you're, you're employed somewhere or you've got a degree for something or you have, a, you have a skill or access to some. What's the place you can go? What's the place God has put you where you can do ministry where maybe nobody else can go or not, other people, not many other people can go? And, and that, that God's story has brought you to a place of mission clarity. Some of you know where that is. But here's the thing, okay? It doesn't matter how much clarity you have about the mission field God has prepared for you if you don't have the conviction to say yes. If you don't have the conviction to fight. You, I mean, you know, it, it doesn't matter how clearly the GPS says in 500 feet, turn left. If you don't have the courage to turn down a road you haven't been down before, to go down a path you haven't gone on before, it doesn't matter how clear the GPS is. Then you see there's a risk for some of us, even today, like even right now in your spiritual life, there's a risk that you will miss your missionary moment. That you can have all the clarity you need, but you miss your missionary moment because you lack the conviction to follow through on your missionary call. That's what happened to a guy named Jonah. Uh, lots of people seem to have heard of Jonah. I think it's because the part of his story where he got swallowed by a fish makes his story a pretty good story to tell. So maybe you've heard the story of Jonah. But really, other than the part of being rescued by a fish, the rest of his story is pretty sad. Uh, you see, Jonah was a prophet. Uh, he'd actually, we first meet Jonah in the book of Kings. He actually predicts God's rescue for a whole little region of Israel. 
But then a moment of mission clarity comes for Jonah and he lacks the conviction to obey. Jonah 1 tells us the story. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Talk about a guy who is seriously ignoring his GPS. He's not even in the same mode of transportation that would be required. He can't even get to Nineveh by boat. He's doing everything he can to ignore the clarity of his mission moment. Now we discover why. In Jonah's case, it was because he hated the Ninevites. And he didn't want them to have a chance to repent and know the love of God. But God loved the Ninevites. And God called Jonah to them. And Jonah came face to face with the clarity of his missionary moment. And he said no. And we need to be careful. It's easier than you might think to disobey the missionary call of Christ. In fact, Paul says people do it all the time. Paul says even religious people disobey God in this way all the time. He writes to Titus. He says this, many people refuse to obey God. All they do is talk about things that mean nothing. They try to fool others. And no one does these things more than the circumcision group. I love this translation of Titus 1.10. It's from a children's Bible, but I just love how direct and simple it is. Paul says, it's really easy to talk a lot about your faith, to even be a legalist in matters of morality, judging other people for not being as moral as you are, but to not actually obey Jesus' instructions. He says lots of people do that. They talk a lot about their faith. They try to fool other people. They're legalistic about morality, but they don't actually obey Jesus. When he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. This is your missionary mandate. But here's the thing. When we miss our missionary moment, it isn't just that we're disobeying Christ's clear command. It's also that we are missing the very thing for which God saved you. You see, God didn't just save you from something. God saved you for something so that you, having been reconciled to God, would now be part of the reconciling work of God. You see, if you trust Christ as the one who died for you and loved you and saved you, then you have been saved And you now are part of God's saving mission. You have been reconciled to God. And you now are given the charge, given the task, given the ministry of an ambassador of God to help reconcile others. Paul writes this and explains this to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. He says, Christ's love compels us. He says we're driven by the love of God, where our hearts beats in rhythm with God's heart, where God's priorities become our priorities. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I love that. We look at no one from a worldly point of view, Paul says. When you look at somebody from a worldly point of view, they they look what? Rich or poor? Young or old? Well-fed or hungry? All these things we see when you look at somebody from a worldly point of view. But when you look at somebody from a spiritual point of view, they're either hopeful or hopeless. They either know Christ or they don't. They're either found or they're lost. Paul says, I don't look at anybody from a worldly point of view anymore. I just look from a spiritual point of view. He says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against him, and he has committed to us the message message of reconciliation if God has saved you then he has sent you on a mission of salvation those two always go together he says we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So therefore, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Paul says, now is the day of salvation. And I believe that. I want to be clear. If you have not yet trusted your life into Christ to be saved and redeemed by him, reconciled to your heavenly father, today is the day to do it. But I also want to tell you, if you have done that, if you have trusted Christ for your salvation, but you have not yet put a stake in the ground and said, now, having been reconciled, I declare myself part of the ministry of reconciliation. I accept my mandate as an ambassador of the gospel. Well, now is the day to do that too. For today is the day of salvation. Paul says, Christ's love compels us. Do you see how this is beyond obedience? It's not only that Christ commands you who are his followers to become his missionaries, though Christ does command it. It's more than that. Christ's love in us compels us to go to a world without hope and all who are now reconciled have this ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors and the only question is, to what nation have you been sent? Is it the land of the soccer moms? Or the, the principality of your co-workers? Or the island of your college? Or the peninsula of your dorm room? To what nation have you been sent? See, here's what I want you to know. To miss your missionary moment. Well, it's to miss half of the awesome. See, the first half of the awesome God wants to do in your life is to rescue you. And the second half of the awesome God wants to do in your life is to use your life to rescue others. 
You have been sent on a diplomatic assignment as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, and to say no to that opportunity is to miss half the awesome God has planned for your life. So today, what we're going to do is open up a chance for you to say yes to that invitation. My main goal for today, in fact, my main prayer for this whole series, this whole service, is that today, every single person here would say yes to the invitation to be a missionary. We're going to have a chance to come forward. And, and uh, this isn't some sort of preacher hyperbole. My, really, my goal for this service is that every person would come forward and be blessed and commissioned as a missionary of God. It's real simple what we're going to do. Uh, in your pews, you, you probably can find one of these cards. Look around for it. You're going to need one. Even if you're not sure you plan to do it later, just go ahead and grab one now anyway. Just play along with me for now. Uh, if you open it up, you'll see that it's the same top and bottom. And find a pen. Uh, if you don't have one, grab one from your neighbors. If you don't, also, if you really can't find a pen, like in the pew back in front of you, there's probably one in the purse on the row in front of you. So just reach forward and root around in there. They won't care. They won't mind. Just look for a purse on the row in front of you. Find a pen in there. You'll need a pen. Everybody needs one. And, and if you would go ahead, just to kind of get us warmed up, if you would write, you'll see it's the same top and bottom. And a little later, uh, we'll explain why that is. But right now, just write your name up top. And write it on the bottom too. If you would fill out both sides, just put your name right there. Write your name there. If you haven't found a pen yet, wave your hand up in the air. Somebody will find you with a pen. We want everybody to be able to participate. In, in just a minute, you're going to have a chance to bring this card forward and tell somebody your mission field. And they're going to pray for you and bless you. If you look at the bottom of the card, you'll see it says in big letters, I am a missionary. And my mission field is, and, and, and you'll have a chance to, to write what that is. Some of you already know what that is. Some of you showed up today. You know what your mission field is. Maybe two weeks ago we were talking about your gifts, and God just made it clear to you. Or maybe you've been praying or talking with your family, and you know what your mission field is. If you know what your mission field is, here's what I want you to do. Just write it in right now. Just write, both, write it in both places. That'll help me if you write it in both places. If you know what your mission field is, would you write that in both places and would you write this minute, would you just start praying for the people around you who don't know? Would you just do that? Just, just join me in prayer for the people around you. I'm, I'm going to do some things right now. I think it'll help the rest of us fill in what belongs there. So if you already know, just write it in, and then you just join me in praying for the people around you. If you don't know what goes there, well, th think with me about a couple of these questions we've been talking about. And maybe this will give you some mission clarity that'll help you. Think with me. What are the gifts that God has given to you? What are the gifts that God has given to you that you could use for God's mission? Are you good at baking cakes? Do you have lots of money? Are you a good teacher? Are you patient? Are you funny? Not looking, but you know, funny? Are you thoughtful? Do you remember things other people forget? Do you show up when other people stay away? Because for a lot of you, the mission you're going to have is going to be rooted in the gifts God's given you. 
Maybe right now, today, all you've got is this. Maybe you just know, I know God has, has gifted me to teach, or God has gifted me to show compassion, and you're not even sure where. You could just write that down, and that where it says my mission field is, you could just write down. It's, you could say, something to do with teaching. That'd be great. Or something to do with helping the Helping people get stuff done. I'm just good at organizing stuff. I don't know what it is. Or hospitality, maybe that's what it is. I had a fellow about 10 days ago. We were talking. He's about my age. He said to me, um, so Ethan, my whole life, I have used the gifts that God has given me, I have used for myself. My whole life. He says, my life would totally change if I started using those gifts for other people. Like everything about my life would have to change. I think he's right. I think, yeah, if he started using his gifts for other people, everything about his life would have to change. But he would also be a missionary if he did that. Maybe for you, it, it, maybe, that, maybe that's not it. Maybe what's going to help you put something in that blank, and I do hope everybody puts something in that spot. Maybe it's going to help you to think through your priorities. Where does your heart beat in the same rhythm with God's heart? I had a couple come up to me um, two weeks ago now. They'd been talking about this. Where could their mission field be? And here's what they said to me. They said, Ethan, we know where God's heart is breaking. And we know where God is breaking our hearts. I told them that was a good line. I was going to use it in the sermon. All right, so here's the question. Where is God's heart breaking? And where is God breaking your heart? They told me, for them, it was all their kids' friends. They got kids all throughout the John City school system, all different ages. And they said they meet these kids who, who don't, some of them don't have, have all the food they need, or they don't have people that are showing up at their homes, or people that are celebrating them, and, you know, or showing up at their concert and telling them what a good job they did. And they just said, we're just going to be these kids' people. That's just what we're going to do, and we're going to open our house, and we don't know, we're going to throw a bunch of parties, we don't have it all figured out, but we're going to be these kids' people. We know it's our mission field because our heart is broken, and God's heart is broken, and, and, and we're, we're compelled by Christ's love. That's what Paul said, right? Compelled by Christ's love. So maybe you've got a mission field like that. Who are the people you just can't help but love with the love of Christ? You could just write that down. My mission field is, and you know who it is. It's the hungry of Johnson City. Uh, it's the homeless guy that I pass on the way to work every day. It's my cousin. Doesn't have much family and a little lost right now. Maybe you're going to know what to write in that box when you think about your story. For a lot of you, and I, I want you to pay attention to this, the urgency of this is so significant. For a lot of you, God has written a story in your life that opens up a mission field that just isn't open to other people. Maybe it's because of what's already happened in your life. I had a woman come up to me after the Sunday night service last Sunday night, which is our last one, by the way, don't show up tonight, but our last Sunday night service, she came up to me and she said, there's so much of my story that I know God has healed me from. But I think there's a second chapter of redemption that God wants to do in my life. 
She talked about having had several miscarriages and having lost a spouse. And she said, God had already healed me from that suffering and healed me from that pain. But it's it just become clear to me that there's a second chapter of redemption that God wants to do. That I, I don't even know what it's going to look like yet. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with it. I just know God's going to use this experience to open up a ministry for me to people who are suffering in similar ways. She doesn't have all the details, but she's getting a glimmer of her mission field. Maybe you've got like that. Maybe, you know, it has something to do with how God's healed me, you could write down. It has something to do with, with, with how God's rescued me from addiction or from pain or suffering. Maybe it's not your past story. Maybe it's your present story, because that has happened for some of you. Some of you have been put in a place where you have access to people God loves that nobody else has access to. Wednesday night, I was hanging out with my small group. One of the guys showed up teasing me a little bit, a little frustrated with me. He's on a sports team. It's been kind of annoying this year. He hadn't really enjoyed it very much. Kind of been complaining about it. He showed up that Wednesday night, though. He said, Ethan, I'm mad at you. I could tell he wasn't really, but I asked him why. He says, well, because now I'm not allowed to be bitter about my sports team anymore. I said, oh, why is that? He said, because it's my mission field. So that's why I'm still there. I'm not still there for, you know, to get, we'll get awards or win games or whatever. I, the reason I'm still on that team is because I think I might be the only Christian on that team. The only person who can invite him to church. The only person who can tell him God loves him. Some of you are in that place. Uh, Thursday. God, I just feel like the last few weeks, God is just put, putting me in these mission, mission field conversations like crazy. Thursday, I was hanging out with a guy. He's not even from here. He's from California. Met him for the very first time. We're hanging out for lunch. And just out of the blue, he says, do you want to hear how I became a Christian? And of course, when somebody says that, you have to say yes, no matter how much you didn't want to. But anyway, so I said yes, because that's what you have to say. Yes, I want to hear how you became a Christian. He starts telling me this story. He says, I grew up as an in an atheist family. I wasn't just a non-Christian. I was an anti-Christian. I was resistant to faith. I went out of my way to debate Christians and criticize Christians. Until I found myself sharing a desk with a coworker. We'd been working together about 12 years, and in the context of sharing that desk, he slowly began to share his faith with me as well. This guy told me, and he's just sitting there at lunch this week, Thursday, writing my sermon for me. He says to me, if it had been anybody else, I would have ignored him or mocked him or debated him, or rejected him. But this guy, I knew him, and I trusted him. So I listened to him. Six months later, I went to church with him. Six months after that, I gave my life to Christ and was baptized. I'm just telling you, there might be somebody out there who would say, if it were anybody else, I would ignore them or mock them or debate them or reject them. But if you brought the love of Christ to them, they might listen to you. They might trust you. They might hear you. And they might receive Christ because they first received you. I don't want you to miss your missionary moment. Miss out on half the awesome God has planned for your life. In just a minute, I'll invite commissioners up, and uh, they'll be here across the front of the room. And when you come forward, uh, you're going to be invited to, um, 
to say the words in bold. In fact, this is what I, I want you to do. When you come forward, I want you to just walk up. You'll, you'll figure out, because the commissioners will be in pairs, and one of them will kind of wave you over. Walk up to them, and you're going to say, my name is, and tell them your name. And you're going to say, I am a missionary, and my mission field is, and you tell them your mission field. For some of you, it'll be the very first time you've ever said those words, I am a missionary, not your name. You've said your name before. But the missionary part, that might be new. And, and telling your mission field out loud, you'll hand your card over to them and they're going to pray a prayer of blessing on you and then they'll tear off the top half for us to keep and so we can be praying for you and they'll give you half back. And then they'll kind of let you step aside to the second commissioner who's there to anoint your head with your forehead or the back of your hand with oil and pray a prayer of blessing on you. If you haven't done that before, don't be weirded out by it. The oil isn't magic. It's just a, it's a really ancient and biblical Christian symbol of blessing. The oil kind of sticks with you and it reminds you of how the blessing of God goes with you. Uh, for some of us, I know that coming forward to make this kind of commitment feels odd or unnecessary. I get that. But I promise you that if you will do this, and I really hope every single person will, it will strengthen your resolve to follow your GPS into your mission more faithfully. You'll, you'll be stronger in your resolve because you told somebody, I'm a missionary and this is my mission field. You'll be stronger in your resolve because you let somebody pray for you and bless you. So I just say, if you haven't written something down here yet, would you do it right now? Just write something down. Maybe it's going to be vague. Maybe you're like, uh, I don't know. You could just write that. You could just say, my mission field is unclear. But I can't wait till Jesus makes it clear because when he makes it clear, I'm going. I'm an ambassador for Jesus. I'm just waiting for my country assignment. Or maybe, maybe you know a little bit about it. It has something to do with my gifts or it has something to do with the people I love or whatever. I would just really invite you to write that down. I love the way the Bible describes the last days of Paul's life. Paul's in prison in Rome. And the book of Acts says that he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is Paul in prison. That's how he rolls in prison, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So yes, I know, it's going to take some boldness for every one of us to say, I'm in. I'm an ambassador to my apartment complex. I'm a diplomat to my dorm room. I'm a missionary to the mall walkers and the soccer moms and my coworkers and my cousin that I'll see on Thanksgiving. It'll take boldness to say, I know the gifts God has given me, and from now on those gifts are not for me, they are through me. It'll take boldness to say, Christ's love compels me into mission. It'll take boldness to say that God wants to redeem the story of my life that the story of my life opens up a mission field for me that might be closed for everybody else, but I'm not going to make sure I don't miss it. Right now, I'd invite the commissioners forward and band out. And while they come and get in their place, I just want to say to everyone here, don't miss your missionary moment. This is what you were made for. This is what you were saved for so that you might be a missionary to the mission field that God has prepared for you. 
I'm going to pray in just a minute, and after that, I really do hope that all of us will rise to our feet and come forward. You can kind of get in a line. One of the commissioners will invite you forward. And when, when you come forward, you just tell them, I, my name is, and you tell them your name, I am a missionary. And you say it like you mean it. And then you tell them your mission field so they can pray for you and bless you. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that by the power of Christ's death and resurrection, you have brought salvation to us. And we are amazed that you want to use us as your ambassadors that salvation might come to the world through our lips and our lives. And so, God, we ask right now that you give us the courage to speak the words of what you have said are true of us, that we are your missionaries sent to the mission field that you have prepared for us. Right now, give us the strength and boldness as we come forward to be commissioned. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.